0: Uh-huh. Y'all know what time it is. Y'all about. don't know y'all better act. Hat on, hat on, suit on, so looking like the Capitan. Giving a merch oh, on, dress like
1: the million, million bucks, buying things in his cups. Y'all mm-hmm. tell me, who could it be for Steve Harvey? Oh, yeah. Listening to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Put your hands together for Steve Harvey. Put your hands together. Oh Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Turn
2: around, turn out. Come on, Ooh. Hey. Come on. Uh-huh. I sure will. But good morning, everybody. Y'all listening to the voice. Come on, dig me now. One and only. Steve Harvey got a radio show. Man oh, man. Ain't God good. Yeah, he is. Hey, uh, you know, I want to remind everybody today uh, that you got to keep pressing forward, man. I know it gets difficult out there sometimes, but you got to keep pressing forward. There's nothing else for you to do. The option of quitting, turning back, giving up, it cannot be there. The thoughts can pop into your head, but when they do, you got to pray about it. But you got to keep pressing forward. You got to keep it moving, man. I don't care how dark and dirty it get for you. You got to somehow summon it up within you to keep it moving, to keep pressing forward. Because the only way you're going to get it is you got to stay in the race. You know, you've heard it said a thousand times, the race isn't given to the swift, but to him that endureth to the end. You got to stay with it, whatever it is. I don't know what it is for you, but whatever it is, you got to stay with it. Because quitting, quitting quitting don't let you see the end result. Giving up, don't let you see the end results. Turning back, don't let you see the end. The only way to see the end results is you got to finish the race. You got to stay in the race because the victory may be nearer than it seems. There's a poem I learned in college under some stressful situations. I'll just say it like that. There is a stanza in this poem called Don't Quit that says, often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and a faltering man. And often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learns too late when the night came down how close he was to the golden crown. Now, that's just a stanza in it. The poem is much longer than that. I know the whole thing because I learned it. But I've always remembered that poem that the the goal is often nearer than it seems to a faint and a faltering man. And oftentimes the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup, but then he learns too late when the night came down how close he was to the golden crown. And there's a last stanza of the poem says, it may be near when it seems afar, so stick to the fight when your heart is hit, it's when things seem worse that you mustn't quit. That that poem is really, an, it's an unknown author to the poem. So if you want to look it up, it's called Don't Quit. The author is unknown. They never knew who it was. But, you know, I'm talking to you today from the standpoint of encouragement. I want I want to show you an analogy that I tripped on this morning when I was thinking about something I wanted. And I was thinking, you know, okay, if you have a job, the way you have to do your job, your job forces you to do this. So you can't just randomly do this on your job. A a job forces you to plan ahead a little bit. You know, a job requires that you go through the procedures in order for something to happen that you want to happen. Example you want a vacation. You have to put in for that vacation. That's what it's called on your job. Just put in. You may dress it up some other way, but common sense. You have to put in. You got to do that because the job requires it. You got to put in for your vacation. If you want a promotion and you see it posted somewhere that we are now have a position opening, you got to put in for that. You just can't sit back and hope they pick you. Because they're probably going to pick the person who wants it, who shows the initiative to go get it. So you have to put in for a promotion on a lot of jobs. If you want some days off, a couple days here, a couple days there, you got to put in for that. But all of these are things that you want. You want vacations, you want a day off here and there, you want some promotions. If you want a raise, you have to go in and request a raise. It requires an action on your part, on your job. And guess what? We've all accepted this as this is the way it's done. You want a raise, you have to put in for a raise. You want a raise, you got to go in and have a meeting and take a request so you can show your value to get the raise. You want a vacation time, you got to put in for that. And then they they could tell you yay or nay. You want a promotion, same thing. You want some days off, same thing. Okay, that's the deal with your job. Well, that's the deal with your life too. That exact picture that I painted for you that you're all so very much aware of, that you're very crystal clear on the rules and regulations, that you have no problem following them, the same rules for your life. What you mean by that, Steve? You got to put in with God. You got to put in for what you want with God. All you, And it's as simple as that. You put in. See? You know, you want some more of this, some more of that, you got to put in with God. You put in with your job. You go down there and ask that man what you want, and you ain't got no problem following the rules. Well, put in with God. What you want? What's your list? What's your request? What, 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 what do you really want? How much money are you really trying to make? What are you really trying to live? What kind of career and job would you really like to have? What kind of person would you really like to be? What type of family are you hoping and wishing for? Who is the person you want in your life? What type of person do you want? What's the relationship you looking for? What you want? You got to put in for that. You got to put in. You got to go to God and put in for that. See, we'll follow the rules set to us up, set us up, and set up by us in a system. But we simple rules of putting in for your life, man. We don't even do that. I wish I would put in for a job and not put in for God. You got to be kidding me. You think this man that has this company can, has more to offer to you in terms of vacation promos and raises than God got for you for your life? Man, you keep putting too much faith in man. That's what's wrong with us. I show sure hope he give me this raise. I show sure hope. I don't even go to people with that. I go to God about it. Then God touched them people's hearts. Then when I walk in there, it's already done. That's how you capture this thing, folks. It's not a magic trick. It's just a real simple understanding. Why would you not put in with God if you're going to put in on your job? That don't make no sense. Where you get the job from? Where your job? Where, where your boss get his position from? Where did this company come from? See, when you peel back the banana, it all makes a lot of sense, don't it? It really does. And I'm just a common sense guy. You know, look, I don't have the education that a lot of people have. But I got a show, show enough bunch of life experience, though. Oh, I've been I've been getting smacked and knocked down the majority of my life. Oh, I may look good to you now out there. Look like he got his shine going on. And I am grateful to God for my life that I got now. Because this show ain't the one I had. But I got news for you. It ain't the one I thought I was gonna have till I put in for it. I ain't seen none of this till I put in for it. And and you know, after as, as I saw it shaping and forming, then I said, God, could that really be happening? I wonder if you could make me this. Lord, I was wondering, man, could I really have a syndicated radio show? Lord, make it happen. If it's in your will. I put in for it. I put in for it. Now, I'm working my tail off now because that's a part of it. See, but then God tells you that too. He says faith without works is dead. I'm working my behind off. But the big thing is I put in for it. So I got a bunch of more stuff that I done put in for God. I can't tell y'all what it is, but... Oh, Lord have mercy. I'm in line. I'm putting in for all the blessings that's due me. If if God's passing out a raise and blessings, I'm lined up. He passing out a promotion. He going to promote some more blessings. I'm lined up. He want to send me on a bigger vacation. I'm lined up. He passing out extra checks down at the job, I'm lined up because I'm putting in. Why don't you put in too? Come on, y'all. Talk to God; he'd love to hear from you.
3: You're listening, listening. to the Steve Harvey Morning Show.
2: Hey, y'all! Uh, listen, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, it's a holiday. It's a holiday right after Christmas. I would guess Easter. Well, I got some big ones. This is the most. This is the biggest national holiday, though, or uh, for a person for me. Uh-huh. Martin Luther King, you know, it, it to me is just one of the best because of what he did and the contributions he made, and we're here to celebrate that all day today. Good morning, everybody! Top top.
4: Good morning. Hey, morning, Steve. Morning, Shirley. Hello,
1: darling. Carla ray. Good morning, Steve. Hey, crew. Then there's Junior. Morning, everybody.
2: <laughs> and the fool. Top top, baby. Then there's me, the ring Moful. leader. The oh, ring Steve leader, Harvey, <laughs> And you're listening mm-hmm. to the show.
4: Yeah. Here we are. Mm-hmm. And thank you for that. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. going to moan it out.
5: Right. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. <gasps> mm-hmm. Hey. We, we got the home. We got the home. Mhm. Mhm.
4: Let me, you. You biggest, let, me, let me tell you something.
2: I got one of the biggest, let me tell you I got one of the strongest ass women of my life one time. Uh-oh. My mama said, sang another note. And I went. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah,
4: <that's>
3: that <laughs> oh, you just down. gonna be a smart <laughs> <boy>. <laughs>
2: she, she, she backhanded my black <laughs> ass so hard. Sang
3: <long.
2: laughs> another that, note. That's why my lips is the size they <laughs> is today. See, I was just uh. singing in that damn car <laughs> <laughs> She said I'm so sick of you singing <laughs> another note I said <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> She reached up <laughs> And I'm Her and my daddy driving right I'm on that hump Cause I'm sitting between oh, my brother middle, yeah. I'm yeah, on like that, that hump, hump. Oh, My face yeah. over there anyway I would, Boy, <laughs> shut up all that noise. I
3: would, <laughs> Boy,
0: you sang another
3: note.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> she... Because <laughs> you were like, being smart. That's all she doing. Yeah. And sang she knew now. it. I am yeah. yeah.
2: singing. I, I hung it. Uh-huh. Oh, she said, boy, you black, you stupid. <laughs> she slapped me so hard, man, she bust my lip. I sit back. My brother say, man, you about a stupid man." <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, man, welcome to the show, everybody. We're going to celebrate the life of Martin Luther King today. We're going to be talking about all the great stuff. He (laughs) deserves it. He really, really does.
4: All right, we'll be back with more of the Steve Harvey Morning Show on this Dr. Martin Luther King Day right after this.
3: You're listening to the Steve Harvey Harvey. Morning Show.
2: Right now, here's the drum major instinct speech on the Steve Harvey Morning Show.
3: An instinct. It's
5: a kind of drum major instinct a desire to be out front, a desire to lead the parade, a desire to be first. And it is something that runs the whole gamut of life. And so before we condemn them, let us see that we all have the drum major instinct. We all want to be important to surpass others to achieve distinction to lead the parade Alfred Adler the great psychoanalyst contends that this is the dominant impulse Sigmund Freud used to contend that sex was the dominant impulse and Adler came with a new argument saying that this quest for recognition, this desire for attention, this desire for distinction is the basic impulse, the basic drive of human, human life, this drum major instinct. And you know, we begin early to ask life to put us first. Our first cry as a baby was a bid for attention. And all through childhood, the drum major impulse or instinct is a major obsession. Children ask life to grant them first place. They are a little bundle of ego. They have innately the drum major instinct. Now, in adult life, we still have it, and we really never get by it. We like to do something good, and, you know, we like to be praised for it. Now, if you don't believe that, you just go on living life, and you will discover very soon that you like to be praised. Everybody likes it, as a matter of fact. And somehow this warm glow we feel when we are praised or when our name is in print is something of the vitamin A to our ego. Nobody is unhappy when they are praised, even if they know they don't deserve it and even if they don't believe it. The only unhappy people about praise is when that praise is going too much towards somebody else. But everybody likes to be praised because of this real drum major instinct. Do you know that a lot of the race problem grows out of the drum major instinct? A need that some people have to feel superior a need that some people have to feel that they are first and to feel that their white skin ordained them to be first. They have said over and over again, in ways that we see with our own eyes. In fact, not too long ago, a man down in Mississippi said that God was a charter member of the White Citizens' Council. And so, God being the charter member means that everybody who's in that has a, a kind of divinity, a kind of superiority. And think of what has happened in history as a result of this perverted use of the drum major instinct has led to the most tragic prejudice, the most tragic expressions of man's inhumanity to man. I mean, not only does this thing go into the racial struggle, it goes into the struggle between nations. And I would submit to you this morning that what is wrong in the world today is that the nations of the world are engaged in a bitter, colossal contest for supremacy. And if some doesn't happen to stop this trend, I'm sorely afraid that we won't be here to talk about Jesus Christ and about God and about brotherhood too many more years. If somebody doesn't bring an end to this suicidal thrust that we see in the world today, none of us are going to be around because some Body's going to make the mistake through our senseless blunderings of dropping a nuclear bomb somewhere, and then another one is going to drop, and don't let anybody fool you. This can happen within a matter of seconds. They have 20 megaton bombs in Russia right now that can destroy a city as big as New York in three seconds with everybody wiped away in every building. And we can do the same thing to Russia and China. But this is why we are drifting. And we are drifting there. Because nations are caught up with the drum major instinct. I must be first. I must be supreme. Our nation must rule the world. And I am sad to say that the nation in which we live is the supreme culprit. And I'm going to continue to say it to America because I love this country too much to see the drift that it has taken. God didn't call America to do what she's doing in the world now. God didn't call America to engage in a senseless, unjust war as a war in Vietnam. And we are criminals in that war. We have committed more war crimes almost than any nation in the world, and I'm going to continue to say it. And we won't stop it. Because of our pride and our arrogance as a nation. But God has a way of even putting nations in their place. Amen. The God that I worship has a way of saying, don't play with me. He has a way of saying, as the God of the Old Testament used to say, to the Hebrews, don't play with me, Israel. Don't play with me, Babylon. Be still and know that I'm God. And if you don't stop your reckless course, I'll rise up and break the backbone of your power. Yeah. And that can happen to America. Yeah. Every now and then I go back and read Gibbon's decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And when I come and look at America,
3: I say to myself, the parallels are frightening.
2: We'll be right back, y'all.
3: You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show.
2: Welcome back to the ride. We will
5: continue with more of Dr. King's The Drum Major Instinct speech. Nobody is unhappy when they are praised, even if they know they don't deserve it and even if they don't believe it. The only unhappy people about praise is when that praise is going too much towards somebody else. But everybody likes to be praised because... Of this real drum major instinct. Do you know that a lot of the race problem grows out of the drum major instinct? A need that some people have to feel superior, a need that some people have to feel that they are first and to feel that their white skin ordained them to be first. Plain today, so I'm against it, so and they have said over and over again, in ways that we see with our own eyes. In fact, not too long ago, a man down in Mississippi said that God was a charter member of the White Citizens Council. And so God being the charter member means that everybody who's in that has a a kind of divinity, a kind of superiority. And think of what has happened in history as as a result of this perverted use of the drum mage instinct has led to the most tragic prejudice, the most tragic expressions of man's inhumanity to man. I mean, not only does this thing go into the racial struggle, it goes into the struggle between nations. And I would submit to you this morning that what is wrong in the world today is that the nations of the world are engaged in a bitter, colossal contest for supremacy. And if something doesn't happen to stop this trend, I'm sorely afraid that we won't be here to talk about Jesus Christ and about God and about brotherhood too many more years. If somebody doesn't bring an end to this suicidal thrust that we see in the world today, none of us are going to be around because somebody's going to make the mistake through our senseless blunderings of dropping a nuclear bomb somewhere and then another one is going to drop And don't let anybody fool you. This can happen within a matter of seconds. They have 20 megaton bombs in Russia right now that can destroy a city as big as New York in three seconds with everybody wiped away in every building. And we can do the same thing to Russia and China. But this is where we are drifting, and we are drifting there because nations are caught up with the drum major instinct. I must be first. I must be supreme. Our nation must rule the world. And I am sad to say that the nation in which we live is the supreme culprit. And I'm going to continue to say it to America, because I love this country too much to see the drift that it has taken. God didn't call America to do what she's doing in the world now. God didn't call America to engage in a senseless, unjust war as a war in Vietnam. And we are criminals in that war. We have committed more war crimes almost than any nation in the world. And I'm gonna continue to say it. And we won't stop it because of our pride and our arrogance as a nation. But God has a way of even putting nations in their place. God that I worship has a way of saying, don't play with me. He has a way of saying, as the God of the Old Testament used to say to the Hebrews, don't play with me, Israel. Don't play with me, Babylon. Be still and know that I'm God. And if you don't stop your reckless course, I'll rise up and break the backbone of your power. And that can happen to America. Every now and then I go back and read Gibbon's decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And when I come and look at America, I say to myself, the parallels are frightening. We have perverted the drum instinct. Every now and then I guess we all think realistically about that day when we will be victimized with what is life's final common denominator. And that's something that we call death. We all think about it, and every now and then I think about my own death, and I think about my own funeral, and I don't think of it in a morbid sense. And every now and then I ask myself, what is it that I would want say it? And I leave the word to you this morning. If any of you are around, when I have to meet my day, I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk too long. And every now and then I wonder what I want them to say. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That isn't important. Tell them not to mention that I have three or four hundred other awards, that's not important. Tell them not to mention where I went to school. I'd like somebody to mention that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. I want you to say that day that I tried to be right on the wall question. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try to feed the hungry. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try in my life to clothe those who were naked. I want you to say on that day that I did try in my life to visit those who were imprisoned. I want you to say that I tried to love and serve humanity. Yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major, say that I was a drum major for justice. Say that I was a drum major for peace. I was a drum major for righteousness. And all of the other shallow things will not matter. I won't have any money to leave behind. I won't have the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind. But I just want to leave a committed life behind. And that's all I want to say. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word of song, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian, if I can bring salvation to a world once wrought, if I can spread the message as the Master taught, Then my living will not be in vain. Yes, Jesus, I want to be on your right or your left side, not for any selfish reason. I want to be on your right or your left side, not in terms of some political kingdom or ambition, but I just want to be there in love and in justice and in
2: truth. Attention, Steve Harvey Nation, on this King holiday, I want to see y'all giving back today, okay? In the words of Dr. King, what are you doing for others? So just go to any of my social media sites, my Facebook page, Instagram, or tweet me. Pictures of you doing community service helping others. Please don't just make this a day off. Make it a day on, okay? We'll be right back, y'all.
3: You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show.
4: Happy King Day. We are here on 2019 King Holiday talking about racism. As you know, our president, Donald Trump, has denied being a racist. But the first half of Trump's presidency has been marked by racial controversy. Uh, the president has reportedly labeled African-American uh, nations as blank hole blank hold countries. In August 2017, Trump took heat for appearing to defend white nationalists after uh, he said that there were very fine people on both sides. We all remember that. That was following the deadly protests in Charlottesville, Virginia. And this this is the type of thing that activists, religious leaders, and scholars say that puts Trump's presidency in direct conflict with the legacy of Dr. King, who was assassinated April 4, 1968, while trying to make America a more inclusive society.
2: I don't think that uh, Donald Trump is aware of uh, the efforts and greatness of Martin Luther King. I don't expect him to say anything of any relevance at all. And if he does, he'll have to read it.
1: Hmm. Uh, Off the teleprompter? Yeah, because he certainly doesn't
2: embody anything, anything that this man was about. You know, Hmm. this is the same dude that said Frederick Douglass has done some great things. You know, he 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 actually thought Frederick Douglass was still alive.
1: Yes, I remember oh, that. Yeah, I remember. No, this and, dude right here <laughs> is different. Uh, and, just, and they're uh, doing great work.
2: Yeah, yeah. He, this dude. I I don't expect anything from him. Every president has mentioned it. If he mentions something, he's gonna have to read it, and it will look like he's reading.
4: Yeah. Oh, for sure, his 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 voice tone. Is different. Everything there's almost no inflections in his voice. It's quite different when he's reading.
1: Yeah, but when he's off script, he's loud and in your face. And, and, mm-hmm. and then when he, don't he know tries what to, to say. right? And, but when he tries to read the teleprompter, he tries to be calm about yeah. it. But it's not genuine. Mm-mm. It's He's not. just reading. He's just reading yeah, words. You don't believe what just, he's saying. Yeah, they're just words
4: coming out of his mouth.
2: <sighs> yeah, he's just not so. You know, we, those of us who understand the legacy and what Martin Luther King, don't expect anything from the White House. No better than you've been getting. Don't get upset. Mm. You ain't got to be mad about it. If he says anything, it will be read, and he will not mean it, and he won't look like it because he embodies none of his principles. So. None of them. So uh, don't, please don't even get mad today. Let's just go on celebrate the brother. Get on with it. <laughs>
1: it's just i guess you know after the civil rights movement this racial racial divide that we have in the country right now this is where we are yep and our leader the, the president is, who's
4: supposed to bring people together mm-hmm. he's the president yeah. for all people the entire nation
2: hey, let let me explain something to you even this um uh, this hmm. uh government shutdown
1: mhm
2: uh, it was all, It's all done so he can posture himself up to m- feel this commitment to a minimum of Americans, a very, very minimum of Americans. Because I heard very clearly today some people who don't have any money who were in line at a food bank who, because their federal employees say, mm-hmm. it's not fair to hold me hostage for a wall that I don't even know nothing about.
1: That's true. so true. true. That's true. True. And that's
2: exactly true. what's happened.
4: And the president and, said he's not going to back down.
2: And he's using them as a, as mm-hmm. a ploy. And he don't care oh. how long these people hurt. This is his shutdown. Yeah. He asked for it. He said he'd do it. He did it. And now he's hurting these people, and he's going to ride it out. No, this is the worst. This, how is this that is more worst.
4: important than our, uh, our our Americans, our government workers putting food on their table, paying their rent, paying their mortgage, their car notes, their children's tuition? How is that more important than that? Taking I don't that I don't families. understand. He, right. he does yeah. not he does know shit.
5: pain. He has never hurt before. He yeah, does, he's, yeah, he never know done it. without. Good point, Tommy, yeah. because
4: he yeah. doesn't know what it's like because he's never had to go through it. He has not missed a meal.
1: Come on. Man. But you're supposed to be or the a president car of all people. Exactly.
2: He's not. Select. He is simply the president for his base. Yeah. He says nothing for DACA. He says nothing for black people. He says nothing for whites who are not in his base. He says nothing on behalf of religious freedoms. All he does is negative policies. All of his policies are negative. He wants to tout this fabulous tax bill that he passed that ain't worth lottie doll when you get through looking at it. It's created a whole lot more debt for the country, which is the one thing Republicans are always beating the Democrats up about. Yep, but right. here he Access. goes again. And so this guy is not... He's not, man. He's 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 And, he's,
4: and he tried to take away our health care, you know. For, man,
2: this dude is this dude. He don't even know what Obamacare is. He just wants to end it because Obama did it. How many times? Do you know this is the first president who's used the former president as an example more times? Everything. Well, Obama did this, and Obama said this, and Obama did this. You're a loser. And we're going to replace and repeal Obamacare because you don't know what Obamacare does,
3: right?
4: Or, or he doesn't understand people that have preconditions, you know, pre existing -existing conditions. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, if you
2: asked him to explain Obamacare, he couldn't do it. I promise you, he can't. He ain't read up on it. This man ain't read nothing.
1: They say he doesn't read. Yeah. He reads social media. That's it. And Twitter. <laughs> he reads Twitter.
4: Uh-huh. He don't look at the news. That's it. He don't
2: look at
1: none of that. I just hope he don't
4: get four more years. And really you know, I just and I just hate the people that just not hate them, but just hate the fact that they let it go. Other Republicans let it go. No one calls him on his mistakes or you know his missteps. You know, no, this could easily yeah, this could easily be fixed. It could be fixed. We'll be back with more of the Steve Harvey Morning Show at 20 after. Right after this.
3: You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show.
4: Today is King Holiday and we're celebrating. Do you guys remember? You guys remember when President Obama gave his farewell speech to the nation? It was an emotional speech that sought to comfort the country because a lot of Americans were on edge with the election of Donald Trump. You guys remember that, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. here we are today, government shutdown racism hatred boy do we miss President Obama take a listen
0: change only happens when ordinary people get involved and they get engaged and they come together to demand it after eight years as your president I still believe that and it's not just my belief it's the beating heart of our American idea our bold experiment in self-government it's the conviction that We are all created equal, endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's the insistence that these rights, while self-evident, have never been self-executed. That we, the people, through the instrument of our democracy, can form a more perfect union. What a radical idea the great gift that our Founders gave to us, the freedom to chase our individual dreams through our sweat and toil and imagination, and the imperative to strive together as well to achieve a common good, a greater good. For 240 years, our nation's call to citizenship has given work and purpose to each new generation. It's what led patriots to choose republic over tyranny. Pioneers to trek west. Slaves to brave that makeshift railroad to freedom. It's what pulled immigrants and refugees across oceans than the Rio Grande. It's what pushed women to reach for the ballot. It's what powered workers to organize. It's why GIs gave their lives at Omaha Beach in Iwo Jima, Iraq, yeah, and Afghanistan. And why men and women from Selma to Stonewall were prepared to give theirs as well. So, so that's what we mean when we say America's exceptional. Not that our nation has been flawless from the start, but that we have shown the capacity to change and make life better for those who follow. Yes, our progress has been uneven. The work of democracy has always been hard. It's always been contentious. Sometimes it's been bloody. For every two steps forward, it often feels we take one step back. But the long sweep of America has been defined by forward motion, a constant widening of our founding creed to embrace all and not just some. We weaken those ties when we define some of us as more American than others. When we write off the whole system as inevitably corrupt. And when we sit back and blame the leaders we elect without examining our own role in electing them. When we come
4: back from the break at 32 after, we're gonna talk about the racial divide in this country.
3: You're listening Listening, to the Steve Harvey Morning Show.
4: All right, Steve, we've talked about racism a lot lately. Uh, White people calling the cops on black people who are just going about their everyday lives. Like remember when the young lady was sleeping in the dorm area, Uh, when uh, some people were having a barbecue in the park, uh, selling bottled water, leaving an Airbnb, just sitting in Starbucks. Uh, or eating at the Waffle House. What is going on in this country?
2: Are you you asking me? Yes, <laughs> I'm putting it's, it out there. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's le- it's leadership. Mm-hmm. People now think it's a okay to voice any form because they're seeing it done from the top, and nothing's happening to him. So hey, he's right, and this is how we feel, and we can say it. And it just gets carried out different ways. The president don't have to say uh, all, man, did you see the video of this man punching this black girl in the no. Yeah, I
1: saw it outside the mall. No. Yeah, I saw that. You, Wait, they soon? were
2: outside doing something and there was, was just an argument yeah. ensued and this black girl got up and then she, big, big white dude pushed her. <gasps> she pushed her and the girl ran back at him, didn't touch him. Just was pointing her hand, got ready to point his her finger in her face. Mm-hmm. He he left, crossed this girl and knocked her out. Yeah. Wow! You
1: kidding me? Oh, he, now, got, he arrested? got arrested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he got
2: arrested. Yeah. But man, but you know it really ticks me off. Hit this woman? The black dudes that be standing around watching, watching this stuff, it, be filming going, the ones that
1: filming make me <sighs> partner.
2: Hold up! If you hit this little girl, you hit any girl, black or white. In the jaw, and you a man, and I'm standing there. I'm in your ass, dog. I promise you that. Yeah. I promise you. That. I just you. am. Yeah. I'm not letting it go. Wow.
4: Sad state of affairs. Sad, you know. Huh.
1: I mean, racial profiling. The, yeah. That's where we're at. White people yeah. calling the cops on,
2: on, on, on people selling people. water and right dudes barbecuing. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, it, man, you can't do nothing. Man. They th- they're wrong. Look, the little dude that she claimed felt her behind in the store. With the they... convenience yeah. store. Yeah. yeah, and then oh, they ran really yeah. all of that stuff back and went. The footage, the lady, yeah, security. Really? Yeah. She Nobody never apologized me. to this nothing. little black kid. Nothing. Mm-mm. He just standing there crying. I didn't do that to you, man. A little
4: kid though. It was a little kid. Well, how about living in I the same, same no building? building?
5: <clears throat> I haven't gotten over the, the, the them cutting this wrestler, this kid's uh,
4: braids out of his hair. You saw that? Yeah, I saw that, that was, too, uh, Tommy. That, 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 that was right bananas, man. That was crazy.
1: Wow. The, was I've never
2: seen that in my life. You going to cut a kid's hair at a... You know
1: how people wear
2: their hair now, man.
1: Man. It gave him an advantage. His how? hair. That's, that's his what hair. the ref said. It gave him an advantage. How? In wrestling. In wrestling. Your hair. Who
2: wrestles your hair?
5: Whatsoever,
2: man. Man. None. There's no advantage to having hair. Now, unless y'all punching in the head (laughs) and you calling (laughs) it a cushion. Yeah. Yeah. You got nothing, man. I just said, man. That's crazy. These people, man. Wow.
1: Or living in the same building.
4: Yeah. Oh yeah. The cops.
1: Crazy. The cop who who shot the... In Dallas.
4: Yeah. Remember that? I'm at home. She killed him. Come on, man.
1: You can't can't be at home. You can't be at home? In your own self house. Nothing. Yeah. Oh,
4: man. Hmm. (laughs) This is making me mad. Be careful out there. Yeah. Be real Mm -hmm. careful. Yeah.
1: But like you said, Steve, it starts at the top. And I I really
2: think that this president has created an atmosphere that's got us taking steps backwards.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, It it just brought it out. It's always been there, you know what I mean? But at least people try to mask it. Uh, He's made it okay to say it out loud. And I have to just be honest, I really do. It stems from the top. It's just making people think that they have the ability to say this. But like the little brother had that T-shirt on, my favorite T-shirt says, don't let your president get your ass whooped.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and we mean that. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's going
2: to be real with your partner. Yeah.
4: <laughs> All right. We'll be back with more of the Steve Harvey Morning Show on this Martin Luther King holiday right after this.
3: You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show.
4: Coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to play excerpts from Dr. King's speech, I've Been to the Mountaintop. But right uh, right now, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? These are the words of Martin Luther King Jr. as we celebrate his life, his legacy, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Steve, now your fan, your foundation is, is very important to you, to you and your wife, fostering children through excellence. And why is mentoring so important to you, Steve?
2: Well, you know, it really hit me hard when my dad died. You know, when my father died, I was at the funeral and I was looking at his body and I was just saying, man, if it wasn't for that dude right there, man, there's no way I'd be here today. Without, he, he shaped me. Mm -hmm. And so on the plane ride home, I said, man, what do dudes do that ain't got no father? How do they get through this, man? This this is crazy. How do they get through this? And I couldn't figure it out. I said, and it's gotta be and how are these women raising these boys
3: mm-hmm.
2: without no daddies? I said, man, that's a huge problem. It's a lack of male role models in the world today. And that's how this Steve Harvey Foundation got started. I said, man, I got the men of men. And I, I gotta give Rashawn McDonald a piece of credit because he was sitting there, he said, man, you got that ranch, man. Why, why don't you do something with it? And I had bought that ranch thinking the whole time since I was homeless that I was going to accumulate all this land so no matter what happened in my life I'd always have a piece of land I could go to and live on. You know, in spite oh, yeah. of. Mm-hmm. That was my whole purpose. Little did I know God really wanted me to buy that man, buy that land to change young boys lives and so wow. that's what I did. And that was the birth of it.
4: Well, wow. I mean and, it, and it, it's thrived you know you've turned out some great great young men man I got some bad camp.
2: boys mm-hmm. that came through there man some some dudes man that's engineers uh police officers
4: wow, uh, soldiers yeah it's I like that's some, just what they needed you know they just yeah. needed that push. extra push man, right mm-hmm.
2: man it's I've got some really great citizen man dudes graduating from college man who, what getting put out of school. I've got man, and Marjorie's girls program got girls. I'm sitting down there. I'm I'm talking to this girl, and she said, "Mr. Harvey, you don't remember me. You spoke uh, at your wife's uh, mentoring camp, and you gave this great speech that changed my life." I said,
1: "Really? What you know?
2: And she worked at Disney. She's the head of a department down in Disney.
1: Wow! Wow!
2: I said, "Wow."
1: Hey, Steve, can you talk to everybody about how? You can be a mentor. You don't have to be famous. And you No, I mean, that's celebrity. really the biggest
2: part. Mm-hmm. The best mentors are not famous people. I'm not the best mentor because I'm so busy. Mm-hmm. It's people that's got boots on the ground that make the absolute best mentors. Mm-hmm. It's teachers. It's coaches That's that see hundreds of boys a year. They change way more lives than me. Yeah. You know, you got people in programs, people that run centers, uh, boys and girls clubs. You got counselors, man. That's mentors that see thousands of kids come through there and change their lives, man. You got teachers that's mentors that change people's lives. You got people that's in scout leader programs and stuff that's changing people's lives. No matter who you are, man, no matter how much money you make or how famous you are, you can stop and take the time to teach a boy how to be a man or show a girl how to be a real woman. Because they want to know. Mm -hmm. Because if no one's told them, and everybody would like to have a better way, nobody Mm -hmm. wants to go to prison. Right. Oh, no. If you really gave these cats a chance to make a good, clean living and have a chance at a family and stuff, most young men would take it. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
5: they would. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they would.
2: Most young men really would, man. Wow, man. Did you think I could do that, Mr. Harvey? You know how many times I done heard that? Mr. Harvey, you really think I could be that?
4: Oh, they just want someone to believe in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, and look, mm-hmm. I
2: ain't trying to talk everybody into college because everybody can't go to college. Everybody's That's not true. college That's material.
4: True. That's you
2: know, true. and some people give right, well, how many, if you don't have a college program, I can't donate. My man, listen to me. Everybody ain't going to college. The majority of Americans don't go to college. we trying to turn out good, productive men. This whole dude, man, we was talking about college, man, he ain't want nothing else. You know what he wanted to do? What? He wanted to work in heating and air because when his father died when he was six, that's what he remembered. He wanted a truck and he wanted to work in heating and air like his father who had passed when he was six. Mm -hmm. He was 14. Wow. He said, Mr. Harvey, I don't want to go to college. I said, man, college would be so great. I said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to be in heating and air. I said, man, why would you want to be in heating in there? He said, because that's what my daddy did. Hmm. I said, your father's in heating in there? He said, my father died when I was six, but he used to put me in his van and I used to ride with him sometimes. And I want to be that because that's what my daddy was. Okay, guess what? I got to support that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to. I got to support that, man. Dog, mm-hmm. yeah. my dream that's- of him
2: going to college, that ain't for him. Right. So I got to support that.
4: And it's okay. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned them a couple of times, Steve. Shout out to teachers. You know, I'm thinking about the teachers out here in L.A. who are still on strike, trying to get, you know, higher uh, wages, trying to get smaller classrooms, trying to get uh, more nurses. You know, just shout out to them because they're, yeah, they're they're on the the picket lines right now, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they out there doing the teachers, man, it's just... I hate to see it because, you know, they, 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 if anybody deserves more money.
4: Yeah.
2: And But they, they're fighting for, for, for stuff for the kids, though. Yeah, hmm
1: you're yes, your kids. They're
2: fighting for uh, less crowded classrooms classroom mm-hmm. so people can learn more. You know, they're looking for uh, the qualified books and things like that. They're looking for so many things like that, you know.
4: Yeah, that's right. It ain't
2: just money. You know, that's what's crazy, man. Yeah. So.
4: Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. Well, Well, I want to tell everybody, too, to, to go to HarveyFoundation.com. Um, Steve, you have a wonderful program, you and your wife. And there's a video on there, a 2018 video of all the things that your foundation, the yeah. programs and Uh, All the things that you guys do and how you serve the community and you're serving this country. And that's what we're talking about today on King Holiday, you know, a day of service. Mm -hmm. And there is so much good information on there. So if you're someone that's working for a company and you're listening and you want to get involved with a foundation and you want to give back and affect people in your area, go to HarveyFoundation.com. Uh, If you just want to volunteer and make a difference or if you want to make a donation, this is a really, really great program. I mean, College Prep. I mean, y'all have everything on this website. I mean, y'all took kids to see the Black Panther movie screening earlier last year. I mean, just so many different programs. And uh, you guys are a blessing to so many kids, young folks. Yeah, it's been a great thing,
2: you know. We're just going to keep going. Thank you very much. Let's roll
1: out.
4: (laughs) Happy King Day, everyone. (laughs) We'll be back right after this.
2: Attention, Steve Harvey Nation. On this King holiday, I want to see y'all giving back today, okay? In the words of Dr. King, what are you doing for others? So just go to any of my social media sites, my Facebook page, Instagram, or tweet me. Pictures of you doing community service helping others. Please don't just make this a day off. Make it a day on, okay?
3: You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show.
2: Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Come together, everybody, and serve your communities. Coming up, we got some excerpts from Dr. King's I've Been to the Mountaintop speech.
5: Let us rise up tonight with a greater readiness. In these powerful days, these days of challenge to make America what it ought to be, we have an opportunity to make America a better nation. And I want to thank God once more for allowing me to be here with you. You know, several years ago, I was in New York City autographing the first book that I had written. And while sitting there autographing books, a demented black woman came up. The only question I heard from her was, are you Martin Luther King? And I was looking down writing and I said, yes. The next minute I felt something beating on my chest. Before I knew it, I had been stabbed by this demented woman. I was rushed to Harlem Hospital It was a dark Saturday afternoon. That blade had gone through and the x-rays revealed that the tip of the blade was on the edge of my aorta, the main artery, and once that's punctured, you're drowned in your own blood, that's the end of you. It came out in the New York Times the next morning that if I had merely sneezed, I would have died. Well, about four days later, they allowed me, after the operation, after my chest had been opened and the blade had been taken out, to move around in the wheelchair in the hospital. They allowed me to read some of the mail that came in, and from all over the states and the world, kind letters came in. I read a few, but one of them I will never forget. I had received one from the president and the vice president. I've forgotten what Those telegrams said, I'd received a visit and a letter from the governor of New York, but I'd forgotten what that letter said. But there was another letter that came from a little girl, a young girl, who was a student at the White Plains High School. And I looked at that letter, and I'll never forget it. It said simply, dear Dr. King, I am a ninth grade student at the White Plains High School. She said, while it should not matter, I would like to mention that I'm a white girl. I read in the paper of your misfortune and of your suffering, and I read that if you had sneezed, you would have died. I'm simply writing you to say that I'm so happy that you didn't sneeze. And I wanna say tonight, I want to say tonight that I too am happy that I didn't sneeze because if I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around here in 1960 when students all over the South started sitting in at lunch counters. And I knew that as they were sitting in, they were really standing up for the best in the American dream and taking the whole nation back to those great wells of democracy, which were dug deep by the founding fathers in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution if I had sneezed. I wouldn't have been around here in 1961 when we decided to take a ride for freedom and ended segregation in interstate travel. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around here in 1962 when Negroes in all Bennett, Georgia decided to straighten their backs up And whenever men and women straighten their backs up, they are going somewhere because a man can't ride your back unless it is bent. If I had sneezed, if I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been here in 1963. The black people of Birmingham, Alabama aroused the conscience of this nation and brought into being the Civil Rights Bill if I had sneezed. I wouldn't have had a chance later that year in August to try to tell America about a dream that I had had if I had sneezed. I wouldn't have been down in Selma, Alabama to see the great movement there if I had sneezed. I wouldn't have been in Memphis to see a community rally around those brothers and sisters who are suffering. I'm so happy that I didn't sneeze. And they were telling me. Now it doesn't matter now. It really doesn't matter what happens now. I left Atlanta this morning and as we got started on the plane, there were six of us, the pilot, said over the public address system, we are sorry for the delay. But we have Dr. Martin Luther King on the plane. And to be sure that all of the bags were checked, and to be sure that nothing would be wrong on the plane, we had to check out everything carefully. And we've had the plane protected and guarded all night. And then I got into Memphis, and some began to say the threats. I talk about the threats that were out. What would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. <laughs> Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. We shall overcome. We
3: shall
5: overcome.
3: You're listening... The Steve Harvey Morning Show
4: all right on this King holiday, guys, according to the Chicago Tribune, the Republicans have a racism problem and it's not just Republicans, Steve. Uh, Steve King of Iowa, uh, if you recall in an interview with The New York Times, Republican Steve King reportedly wondered out loud, white nationalists, white supremacists, Western civilization. How did that language become offensive? Wow. <laughs> it was just the latest in a long Lord. history of his uh-huh. racist comments. Didn't he say every something day?
1: That every yeah. day is something. I know. I know. I'm it tired
2: was... of talking to these stupid ass people.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I really am. How, how, do really how do you
1: really feel? How do no, you really feel? I'm, I'm <laughs>
2: sick of it, man. I'm sick of hearing the ignorance that comes out of these people's mouths that's in all these elected positions. If you're that damn stupid, and you're in an elected position, then it should cost you your job. Yeah, Because you can't sit up in front of people and expect that to have to look at you every damn week and you sitting up here wondering, why is white supremacy and white national, when did that become bad language? When they start doing bad stuff, man. (laughs) <laughs> They've been wrong since they got here. This ain't news, but it ain't nothing wrong happening to you because you think you supreme. right? You think you're superior, so you don't have a problem with it. But you don't never have a problem until it's happening to you.
4: Getting back to Steve King for a moment, didn't he say these things never come up in his mind? He doesn't know how they came oh, out of a his rebuttal. mouth.
1: That's the rebuttal. Yeah. Yeah, that was a rebuttal. Yeah. Sir. In front of trying to fix it. I was like, said, what? Sir. So how you
4: blurt that out there? Yeah. Sir, do
2: you know how many times I've said that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dang.
3: We do.
2: Get your ass out. My- <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I
3: was
4: like, See, somebody said right,
2: right there. Steve did you just say get your ass out of uh, and then i go what
4: it came in my mind i yeah. don't know how it i came don't know, out know of my what mind. the hell yeah
2: yeah there you I go i don't know why i would say
4: ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah me <laughs> uh the article also stated that uh it's the gop that's passing racist statewide voter identification laws in an attempt to keep African Americans away from the polls. The GOP voted to give billions of dollars in tax breaks to the wealthy while proposing drastic cuts to Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. It's the GOP that has attempted to take sole credit for reducing the unemployment rate for African Americans when uh, African Americans full know, they know full well that the uh, downward trend began under President Barack Hussein Obama. Thank you. Yes.
1: Now, let's stop all this foolishness
5: now. Well, don't think we don't know now.
1: Tell the truth, if you're going to tell it. Well, that's the thing about the GOP and the Republicans. What what kind of party are you now? Because when I mean, you have someone like Steve King party say these things, then it's like, and then you have the president you're trying to say you don't stand for this, but you stand for that, but you have people in your party and they say all these types no. of things. And so standing
2: so Republican behind. Party the party of Trump doesn't stand that's for me. anything.
1: <laughs> that's that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. They
2: stand for whatever keeps them in power, yep. in mm-hmm. position, yep. mm-hmm. and in money. Yeah, and, That's and, what they stand for, and they prove it over and over again. But I got news for you. They've always been that way. But, but you know what though there's always been some cuz all republicans ain't bad people. No, I not, not I want at you to understand all. that. No, no, sir, John no. McCain, man.
4: And the actually
2: pro- stood up and said stuff. That dude out in Arizona, that other one that younger younger guy, he's pretty smart. He said some stuff. There's some people out there, man, that will will just go, "Okay, wait a minute, man. What what did you say?" Mm-hmm. and will do the right thing. But well, the way it's going now, man, yeah. it's ugly.
4: And and we need we need for Republicans and Democrats to be able to work together. That's what's missing as well.
2: Shirley, we can stop that ideal.
4: Well, I mean, they're yeah. not since Barack. It's not going to yeah, happen. Yeah. Well, it not, happened in the past. It happened. I mean, Reagan the, was known start, for going they, across, the, you know, the room. They
2: it, stopped that with Obama.
4: Yeah, they did. I know they did.
2: They wouldn't let him reach across the aisle, to accomplish a damn thing. They were so. Angry mm-hmm. with his win, yeah, and his and second they term. Were oh my angry god! Angry on a racial level, yeah,
4: and and that is the truth.
2: Period. Stop saying it ain't so, because that's exactly what happened. Yep. Upset on a racial level.
4: Wasn't it Mitch McConnell who said he let's make him a one-term president or
1: something? Yes. Yeah. Was, oh yeah.
4: It? Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, and you didn't, and you
1: couldn't.
4: Well, I tell you what, you know, we need to stay aware and astute and everything and registered and, and ready. Because if we don't, Donald Trump will get another term in the White House. Okay, don't think that's not the plan for him to be a that two-term man. president. Please don't it say it is phone.
2: very well the plan, yeah. but he's got some legal things that's coming up.
4: He's trying to distract with this wall. Yeah. Hurry that yeah. Up. You mean the, the Mueller investigation? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's the... too
2: many people around him going to jail. Flynn could go... Manford could go. Uh and Cohen can go. Is. These are people that are real close to him. His lawyer, his campaign manager, and Flynn. I'm at, come on man.
1: And when can you ever remember an American president saying, I do not work for Russia? I know.
2: Hold <laughs> on oh, wait, let me ask you. No one
4: asked you that question. How
2: many times <laughs> in your lifetime have you come home and the president was in the news? Every single day about Every
4: something second. breaking Every news. Every
2: single breaking day news. The yeah. president Every. is in something. May but a lot of times because of a remark he's made.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or when, a
4: tweet. Or a tweet. <laughs> man. Like you what? said, Shirley, <sighs>
1: stay stay woke. Yeah. Stay Hold registered wait. to vote. When online. you
2: tweet something dumb. But your explanation of the tweet is dumber.
1: Come on, yeah, Dumb and
4: dumber. <laughs> Dumb and dumber. Look, man,
2: uh, you ain't giving us nothing to work with here. Right. Your fix the tweet
4: is worse. <laughs> yeah,
2: I never said that. I never said that. We're man.
4: celebrating the life and the legacy. You should be ashamed
2: of yourself for asking me that. Well, I'm not.
4: Of Dr. There's Martin no Luther King Jr. <laughs> on this King holiday, and we'll be right back.
3: You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show.
2: Coming up, we're going to play some excerpts from Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech.
5: I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty In the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity, 100 years later, the Negro is still languished in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. And so we've come here today to dramatize a shameful condition In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. But we refuse to believe that the Bank of Justice is bankrupt. to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. And so we've come to cash this check, yes! a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom yes. and the security of justice. Yes. We have also come to this hallowed spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time. Yeah. From the quicksand of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time yeah. Make a reality for all of God's children. It would be fatal for the nation. To overlook the urgency of the moment, this sweltering summit of the Negro's legitimate discontent will not pass until that is an invigorating autumn of freedom and equality. 1963 is not an end, but a beginning. Those who hope that the Negro needed to blow off steam and will now be content will have a rude awakening if the nation returns to business as usual. There will be neither rest nor tranquility in America until the Negro is granted his citizenship rights. The whirlwinds of revolt will continue to shake the foundations of our nation until the bright day of justice emerges. But that is something that I must say to my people who stand on the warm threshold which leads into the palace of justice. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protest to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights Of meeting physical force with soul force. The marvelous new militancy which has engulfed the Negro community must not lead us to a distrust of all white people. For many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny.
2: Attention, Steve Harvey Nation on this King holiday. I want to see y'all giving back today, okay? In the words of Dr. King, what are you doing for others? So just go to any of my social media sites, my Facebook page, Instagram, or tweet me. Pictures of you doing community service helping others. Please don't just make this a day off. Make it a day on, okay? When we come back, we got more Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech.
3: You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show.
2: Right now, as promised, uh, we're going to play some of Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech, which he delivered on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial back in 1963.
5: They have come to realize that their freedom is inextricably bound to our freedom. We cannot walk alone. And as we walk, we must make the pledge that we shall always march ahead. We cannot turn back. There are those who are asking the devotees of civil rights, when will you be satisfied? We can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horrors of police brutality. We can never be satisfied. As long as our bodies, heavy with the fatigue of travel, cannot gain lodging in the motels of the highways and the hotels of the cities. We cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro's basic mobility is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. We can never be satisfied as long as our children are stripped of their selfhood and robbed of their dignity for whites only. We cannot be satisfied as long as a Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and a Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. Yeah. No, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Yeah. I am not my unmindful that some of you have come here out of great trials and tribulations. Some of you have come fresh from narrow jail
3: cells.
5: Donald. Some of you have come from areas where you're pressed for freedom, left you battered by the storms of persecution yes. and staggered by the winds of police brutality. You have been the veterans of creative suffering. Continue to work with the faith that unearned suffering is redemptive. Go back to Mississippi. Go back to Alabama, go back to South Carolina, go back to Georgia, go back to Louisiana, go back to the slums and ghettos of our northern cities, knowing that somehow this situation can and will be changed. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friend. That one day, even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day, down in Alabama with its vicious racists, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed in all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, My country, tears at thee. Sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrims' pride, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from... We will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty,
3: we are free at last. We'll be back. You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show.
4: All right, Steve, you know, we have to talk openly with our children about race, about ethnicity, about religion and bigotry. Uh, have you dealt with that? I mean, I, I'm sure you have. But Have um, I
2: dealt with yeah, it?
4: Yeah, <laughs> with your children. I mean, you know, talking to them about it at a young age.
2: I mean, you know, I had a couple of incidents that has happened, you know, about race. I try to, my kids grew up very, very different from me. So they've afforded, a, were afforded a different lifestyle than I had. So my None of my kids grew up in the hood. My kids have been fortunate enough to live in totally different environments than I grew up in, so they have I've always encouraged my kids to accept people for who they were, as long as they accept you for who you are. I'm a realist when I talk to my kids about racism. If somebody got a problem with you because of the color of your skin, I said you're going to know it, Amen. and then you have to deal with it accordingly. You know, everybody not going, all people are not good people. There's just some bad people out there. But when you run into them, you have to have an assurance. You have to have a confidence level, uh, a certain amount of self-esteem about yourself. Don't let nobody make you try to feel less than simply because of the color of your skin. That's not going to happen. And I've given them my full permission to address it. I'm probably not the best parent to talk about racism with your kids because I've had to deal with it on some very blatant levels. You know, I've seen it from some really dark angles, man. And so I've just always had my kids in a position where they they deal with it if they, if they see it. You know, if they're confronted with it, mm-hmm. deal with it. Mm-hmm. Be courageous about it. Don't put yourself in a life-threatening situation about it. But be courageous about it. But my kids are, are open to people. You know, they accept people for who they are. They don't have uh, hang-ups when it come to race. You know, right, right. Um, my son's wife is uh, from it. Has uh, biracial parents. My son's wife has biracial parents, and you know, we all eat. We all celebrate holidays. We don't have a problem with that. I'm, it's very simple to me if you cool to me i'm cool with you that's it i don't I don't do good with people who who don't uh i i don't do good with racism i just don't i'm I'm not the best person to talk about it because if you extend it to me i hate to say this but I give it back to you full fledged. yeah
4: well Okay, this is King Jay. Yeah, this is King Jay, guys. Mm-hmm. I think
2: racism will be with us until the end of
4: time. But I hate to hear that, but I do. Probably true. Yeah. Now,
2: the sad thing about it is is because of this presidency, mm-hmm. it has racism has reared its ugly head and kind of felt like a little bit better about doing it, seems like. And that's a scary place to be.
4: Yes, it is. And we'll be back right after this, on this King Day.
2: Attention, Steve Harvey Nation, on this King holiday. I want to see y'all giving back today, okay? In the words of Dr. King, what are you doing for others? So just go to any of my social media sites, my Facebook page, Instagram, or tweet me. Pictures of you doing community service, helping others. Please don't just make this a day off. Make it a
3: day on, okay? You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show.
4: Happy King Day. We are here on 2019 King Holiday talking about racism. As you know, our president, Donald Trump, has denied being a racist. But the first half of Trump's presidency has been marked by racial controversy. Uh, The president has reportedly labeled African-Americans uh, nations as blank hold con- blank hole countries in August 2017 Trump took heat for appearing to defend white nationalists after uh, he said that there were very fine people on both sides we all remember that that was following the deadly protest in Charlottesville Virginia and this uh, th- this is the type of thing that activists religious leaders and scholars say that puts Trump's presidency in direct conflict with the legacy of dr. King who was assassinated April 4th 19 19- 1968, while trying to make America a more inclusive society.
2: Well, uh, I don't think that uh, Donald Trump is aware of uh, the efforts and greatness of Martin Luther King. I don't expect him to say anything of any relevance at all. And if he does, he'll have to read it.
1: Hmm. Off the teleprompter. Yeah, because he certainly doesn't
2: embody anything, anything that this man was about. You know, this is the same dude that said, Frederick Douglass has done some great things. You know, he he actually thought Frederick Douglass was still alive. Yes, I remember that.
1: Yeah. No, this dude right (laughs) here is different. Uh, And they're uh, doing great work. Yeah, Yeah.
2: this dude. I, I don't expect anything from him. Every president has mentioned it. If he mentions something, he's going to have to read it and it will look like he's reading.
4: Yeah. Oh, for sure. His, his, his voice tone is different. Everything. There's almost no inflections in his voice. It's quite different when he's reading.
1: Yeah, but when he's off script, he's loud and voice in your face. And, mm-hmm. and then when he, when don't he know tries what to, to say. Re- Right, and, but when he tries to read the teleprompter, he tries to be calm about yeah. it, but it's not genuine. Mm-mm. It's not. He's just reading. He's just reading yeah, words. He don't believe what just, he's saying. Yeah, they're just words coming out of his mouth.
2: <sighs> yeah, he's just not. So, you know, we those of us who understand the legacy and what Martin Luther King, don't expect anything from the White House, no better than you've been getting. Don't get upset. Mm. You ain't got to be mad about it. If he says anything, it will be read, and he will not mean it. And he won't look like it because he embodies none of his principles, none of them. So uh, don't please don't even get mad today. Let's just go on celebrate the brother. Get on with it.
1: <laughs> <sighs> it's just, I guess, you know, after the civil rights movement, this racial racial divide that we have in the country right now, this is where we are. Yeah. And our leader. The president, is who's
4: supposed to bring people together, yeah. he's the president yeah. for all people, the entire nation.
2: Hey, l- let me explain something to you. Even this, uh, this uh, government shutdown,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, it was all—it's all done so he can posture himself up to m- feel this commitment to a minimum of Americans, a very, very minimum of Americans. Because I heard very clearly today some people who don't have any money, who were in line at a food bank because their federal employees say, it's not fair to hold me hostage for a wall that I don't even know nothing about.
1: That's true, so
4: true. True. That's true, true. And so that's true. exactly true. what's happened. All right, Steve, coming up, closing remarks. Right after this.
3: You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show.
2: The other day on the show, I was asking uh, Ernie Hudson, I have this thing on the show called uh, Uncensored Rapid Fire Questions.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I asked Ernie Hudson, if you could have dinner with any celebrity living or deceased, who would it be? And Ernie Hudson says Sidney Poitier. Because he's an actor. And Ernie Hudson's an actor. It's sort of funny. So we were talking off the air. And he asked me who would I want to have dinner with? And it's two people, man, that I said I wish I could sit and have dinner with. And it was Richard Pryor and Martin Luther King. But I was kind of tossed up because I really want to sit down and have dinner with Muhammad Ali. So it's it's almost a three-way affair for me. It's almost even. These were three people who had a major impact on my life as a black man and as a career. I mean, Richard Pryor, man. When I saw him, the first time I saw him, I said, that's that's what I'm going to be. Now, Muhammad Ali, I knew him before I knew anything of Richard Pryor. Muhammad Ali was the first person ever, ever made me think I could be great. And even though I don't consider myself great, at least he put it inside of me and made me think I could be great and made me want to start working my tail off to achieve some form of greatness. But even before those two, Martin Luther King had put an impression on me as a boy that has shaped and molded me even to this day. I remember in school, in elementary school, when he was killed, and the teacher made us watch his funeral on TV, and that casket, that mule-drawn casket was being pulled up the street And I was looking at my teacher, she was just crying. man. And I was so not understanding why this happened. Because she used to play the speeches for us, that I have a dream and all of that. And I could not understand for the life of me as a boy, why they would kill Martin Luther King. I, I, I heard my father say in anger one time after Martin Luther King got killed, He said, boy, we're in a world of trouble. Them white folks just don't want to have nothing to do with us. That impacted me, man. It impacted me. Because I really, really thought for so many years that white people really didn't want to have nothing to do with black people. And as I got a little bit older and I was listening back to his speeches, because I used to play them in my car when I was homeless, you know, I used to play a lot of Martin Luther King tapes. You could buy them at truck stops and stuff, just cassette tapes. I was listening to him and his message of peace and love and struggle and what was right and human dignity. It started reshaping me and I began to think, I said, okay. This can't be, he can't be talking about all of us and all. It's just a few people that don't want this to work. And so that started reshaping me also. He was so impactful with what he said to us as a people that how in the world has this black man with his message of love and submission and strength caused so many changes in laws, affirmative action, so many things of that nature. It caused a lot of people to view us differently. When Bull Connors turned those fire hoses on us in Birmingham, Alabama, it it made America see what America really was. And America had to change a little bit. You know what I mean? And we still got a long way to go. But I look back at Martin Luther King and all he stood for and what he did. He's just one of the greatest people of my time. Now, you may have a different opinion, but this is just mine. He was one of the greatest human beings of my time. I don't don't know anybody that's made a bigger contribution to this world than him. The world that I live in that I see. I don't know a black person that made a larger contribution. I don't know a white person. I don't know a person that's made a larger contribution that was human. I just don't. That's just my opinion. It's a powerful. So when they asked me who I wanted to have dinner with, if I could sit down with them three people right there, Muhammad Ali, Richard Pryor, and Martin Luther King, that's pretty much me. I would like to think of myself as a combination of those three people. My career was patterned after Richard Pryor, just wanted to be funny. Nobody will ever be Richard Pryor funny, but you know what I mean? That's what I wanted to be. I try to be a decent person, as was Martin Luther King. I try to help and inspire people. But I got a lot of dog in me, too. A lot of fight. Got a lot of defiance in me. I got a lot of strength and a lot of courage to stand up and say what I... I, Sometimes I do stuff that ain't so popular. I say stuff that ain't so popular... And that's a little bit of Ali. So those three people right there, they shaped me. Along with the greatest man I've ever known. The incredible Jesse Slick Harvey. Man, thank you, Daddy, for being a piece of all of them, too, with your bad black self. So on Martin Luther King Day, I'm just proud to be a black man. I am. And that's pretty good, too.